bro, this is like our fourth take. So we're going to move back now. This is Michael and this is Steven. And I think this is our second episode in our podcast. Uh, I might have a slight accent if you can't understand me. Well, this is America, so read a book. Uh, with Steven, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's dude, Steven. It's been a long week. We took a long break between our first and second episode, but we're back. We're happy to serve the Dallas, Houston, Texas area, Metroplex, wherever you want to call it, Fort Worth, San Antonio. But we're talking sports. We have a lot to talk about. The Mavs, Luca. I think Luca has arrived, guys. We have baseball season. We have we have what's going on in the NFL. The Cowboys starts in ten days. Ten days, opening days in ten days. Stephen, are you excited? Opening excited. days in 10 days. Are you excited for that? I'm very excited. Yeah, dude, I cannot wait. We need some normalcy back in life. Like, I need a Sunday where I could just sit down and say, check. My, uh, say, check, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just, if my girlfriend ever hears that, she's going to probably slap me in the fucking face. She'll be like, what do you think you are? So... <laughs> I need a Sunday where I could just say, tell my girlfriend, babe, I can't do nothing today. It's right. right. Like, we need that back in our life. I know a bunch of men are missing that right now. So right. you know, I'm excited. I'm hyped. But Grantham, you know, take it away. What are we doing? Yeah, let's start, with the Mavs. let's start with the Mavs. Because um, unfortunately, while, while this is the beginning of something great, this podcast this is going to be our first published podcast. Unfortunately, it comes at the time of the ending of the Mavericks season. And before we put Dallas Mavericks 2019-2020 season in the morgue, we need to do an autopsy on the season. And I have America's number one basketball pathologist here, Michael, to take it away. So season, success, no, future, super bright, very bright, godly bright, which one? Well, well, success is how you take it. We call frame success. We live in Donald Trump's America, so we call anything a success nowadays. But <clears throat> without political speech involved, let me tell you what, what happened. The Mavs actually found out that Luca was a troop, so we found out next Dirk. We also realized that Chris Stops is going to tease us, but he needs stronger knees and stronger legs. God forbid. So we may need a number two. And we also realize that the Mavs have no backbone. They have no enforcer. They have nobody who could step up and fight Marcus fucking Morris. And he just bullied Luca over and over again. And we just need an enforcer. We need somebody back there who could say, guess what, guys? This is not going to fly. But overall, I think the season has been a success. I think Rick Carlisle finally found his group of guys that he could actually take to the next level. And we'll actually see him get back to being a better coach. God, the last couple of years were awful. So, you know, but I really do think we have a chance going forward. I think our window is a lot more open because Luca is such a dynamic player. If you really think about it, like go back and think about it, he's the top player in the league. You have you have you have the guy in Milwaukee, the Greek freak, Giannis. You have who else do you have after Giannis? You may have you know Devin Booker. Giannis, from Phoenix, Giannis, but after that is is Luca. It's Giannis and Luca. That's tier yeah. one. Yeah, players. An interesting thing about that is that Giannis would be a Dallas Maverick 
if Mark Cuban didn't want to save $200,000 and salary cap group to try to sign Dwight Howard without a luxury tax. So in order to make up for that, our head international scout demanded that Cuban listen to him this time and get Luca. And because of that, we have a goat in training. Which- the making. I, did, I think he already arrived. His game is so finesse-based that I think his game is going to age well. Like, I saw the, like, he's the truth. He reminds me of a more nimbler, more skiller, smaller version of Tim Duncan in terms of how they approach the game. There's not a lot of power involved. You know what I'm saying? They don't use a lot. They're not going to, they're going to, Luca's not going to overpower you. They just, you may think they're slow, but they move fast enough. You may think they, they have, they're not quick enough, but they get past you every time. You may think they're not going to hit the shot, but they hit the shot consistently when it matters. It reminds me of Tim Duncan, honestly, when it comes to just basic fundamental. He has high-level fundamental skills. So every fundamental skill that he has, he does it at a very high level. LeBron doesn't do that. Most American-based players don't have high-level fundamental skills. Yeah, He excels at that already, at 21, mind you, 21 years old. 21, yeah, but he's in basketball, in basketball years and basketball experience, it's so much more because he has spent almost his whole life in an academy developing, like you said, those fundamentals, those skills. And so upstairs, up here, he's, it's like he's got Jason Kidd's mind. But yes. I what you said about him being more of a finesse player, because in my, uh, for this second year, but first, like, no, second year with Luca, um, first year of watching almost all the games, is that it, he seemed uh, n- not necessarily just a finesse player, but he seems like a very uh, strong, like relying on strength a lot. He goes into the paint, uh, according to advanced statistics, it's more so than any player in the league. And one of the problems that uh, that we had this year was that he just he wasn't getting calls. He was getting treated like a second-year player instead of like a superstar player. And before the COVID breakdown, you could kind of see him wearing down a bit physically by getting his ass kicked on the court a lot. Like when Draymond Green and Golden State, uh, he, he didn't punch him, but he got, got a really hard foul. There was that Indiana game where Luca basically got punched in the face without a foul. Um, so it, to me, it seems like his game is very physical. To you, it seems like... Uh, it's finesse. Maybe it's both. And if so, goat in training. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, but I do think he doesn't. When I say finesse, I mean Luca. He imposes his will on the, on the opponent and certain times on lesser players. But when it comes to players like Kawhi, and this may be taken the wrong way because he did. This dude was just magical in the series. But like, you could tell Kawhi is not a finesse player. You could just see it when he goes after, you know, and when Luca goes after people, they're not like, oh, my God, Luca's coming down the lane. They're more, they're, they're more waiting for that power, but he uses a little shiftiness. He uses a step back move. He's in the paint, but he's taking the beating, but he's not punishing people. Yeah. And that's the difference. And that's what I'm saying. He's more of a skill. He's a skill set player. He has very high level skill set. The footwork is impeccable to go with the handwork. So he knows what he's doing, you know, but the, the Mavs are going to need Kristaps to stay more healthy this season or next season. I mean, we're going to need him to be more 
reliable defensively. And I think the combo, I see the vision. Now the vision needs to stay healthy. And being being available is also very is part of the requirement of being a superstar. You cannot stay, we can't keep harping on Chris Bas or Pozinga's talent and say, oh, when he's dude, the worst thing as an athlete you want to hear, in my opinion, is when he's healthy. Yeah. All right, I mean, no one knows what you could do. And what yeah. it's like when it's health, it's like you're teasing people. It's like Grant Hill. Yeah. I'm sorry, Grant. I focused you. Um, so I, I'm, I think I'm one of those people, and maybe this is just from talking with uh, annoying Knicks fans too much over the season, but I'm of the belief that Christoph Porzingis, um, hoping for a full, healthy, like one, uh, throughout the whole duration of the season, um, him being healthy and playing every game, might be kind of a risky hope to have, but rather the better route to go is just to assume that he's going to play maybe 60 games a season, maybe half to two thirds of a season, and then make sure he's fully activated for the playoffs. Cause I think that he would have continued the Kawhi playing playoff series. Um, if, if it was a playoffs that we actually had a chance of, of true contention in, he, he would have continued playing through cause he was still yeah. at a high level. However, with that, obviously we're going to need something more. If he's not, if we're going to need another number two, either a two A ahead of KP or two B. Yes, because uh, what's his name? Hardaway Hardaway is not going to cut it. Hardaway. I'm sorry, unfortunately. So here's my question. Tim Hardaway's he's 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 not even a better version of Wesley Matthews. I cannot wait to get rid of him and his twenty million dollars. But here's my question: uh, Hardaway, but a way better version of him is someone that we pursued last summer in free agency in Kimba Walker. And there were a lot of questions around that at the time, thinking that Kimba style of play and Lucas style of play kind of cannibalize each other and that it wouldn't make much sense to have them on the floor together. But the more I saw them in this playoffs, the idea of having a second ball handler um, would take so much pressure off of him. It sounds like- Well, Luca, you see, no, I don't think so. Luca is a point guard. So you cannot bring in a second. You What, what we need is we either got to start Curry or get a better, more reliable. You know the guy, Joe Harris, that plays for the net? Yeah. He's going to be perfect for Luca. Someone like that. Because someone who, who, could, who could take the shots, who, don't, who doesn't need to create? Or like the guy who plays for the Jazz now, but he's no longer, he's injured. What's his name? Uh, what is his name? Can never pronounce his name. But he's a he's a sharpshooter. What we need now is shooters, and we need enforcers. We need like a Tyler, like a Tyson Chandler. If we could get somebody like that, if Javale McGee is free after this year, we should get a Javale McGee. I feel like him and Luca would do excellent together. You know, uh, we just need talented defenders with wingspan. The team is transitioning to a lot. I like Finley. I like Gilchrist. I like Burke. You know, I like the. I just don't like those guys. Need to play their role, but you're you're forcing them to play a role they're not ready for. Yeah. So it's you know it's just. What about and this Tom? is not football. What about Tom? Uh, Dwight Powell, because he's he, been injured. Yeah, he's been injured, but he's going to come back at some point next year. Okay, you come back. You're playing with someone like McGee, but Dwight Howard is not an enforcer again. No, we need an enforcer. Dwight Powell. I mean, Dwight Powell is not an enforcer. We need we need an enforcer. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and uh, Kleba, it's weird that I get a little bit of because he Maxi Kleba, he's from the same town as Dirk Nowitzki. He's from, doesn't matter. He's not the same person. Like he has the he same from the same town. 
on the court of just being a, like, it seems like everybody from Wurzburg is a bit too soft, even though Kleba is very good at D. Uh, for so many years of Dirk's career, we were trying to push him and prod him. Like in the playoffs, we need you to be more of an asshole. We need you to be more of a, more of a hard ass people and go harder. And it took him a while for him to, uh, to get into that, to get his hardcore mode like that. Um, I hope Kleba can learn to be an asshole too. We'll see. Uh, he needs to be a bench player and he needs to come from the bench and he needs to be part of the second unit and which is what it's kind of he does now but he needs to like really be there so he could find a role in that place like we got to stop tittering and bringing people up and down and like we need a solid starting five and i think i think going into this year they have a base which they lacked the last three four years prior to luca coming so now that we know we have a base god thank god for that trade what was that Point guard we traded away Dennis Smith Jr. I like you, Dennis. I think you're a legit dude, but bro, and I, you were not making it in Dallas. We also gave up two first round draft picks for Luca. No, for KP. I think that's I, I, you know what I think he's worth it, but, but I feel like we just need to keep him healthier. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what that what matters. Yeah. I had one last question um, on the Mavs before we move on to the rest of the NBA. And you mentioned earlier that it, you thought Carlisle was a much better coach this year than he has been in the past few years. Do you think that's true or it's just he finally has more ta- the talent that he used to have in our hating? Well, some coaches, right, do not know how to work with untalented players. They need either really smart players or talented players. Some coaches know how to work with, like, I call it, like, the galvanized people, right? They galvanize people. They get people to do the best in themselves. They're like, you don't have to be smart, but they know, okay, this person ain't smart, but this person could do this really well. I don't know how to use them, right? Kali is one of those guys, for better or for worse, he needs a high NBA IQ team. If your team likes high NBA IQ or your player likes high NBA IQ, he does not know how to use them. Like, if for some reason, he cannot communicate past a certain level. Some play, some coaches, it doesn't matter what level that player is. Like, JaVel McGee is an example. For a long time in the league, everybody thought he was a bust. But really, all it came down to was communication. The way he communicated and the way all the coaches communicated with him was different and more efficient than the way the previous coaches had communicated with him. Same thing goes to football. Everybody's like, why is Belichick a goat? Because Big Belichick could take a regular player that does one thing well, see it, and then make sure and knows how to use that. You don't have to be the smartest player in the room. You just have to know what your job is, right? Good job. Rick Kyler doesn't know how to do that stuff. He needs you to not just know what your job is, but to know what the fuck everybody else's job is in the, in the team. Gotcha. He requires everybody to kind of be in sync. And for a coach like that, it takes a while for you to kind of build the skill set and the people with the mental capacity to understand because he teaches one language. He's not going to change his language. He knows he has a championship, so he's always going to be in Dallas. So now you got to bring in people who are willing to go understand that language you're going to teach, <laughs> you know? And now I feel like he has those people around him. With Luca being the base and being a prodigy and being the kind of guy, like he, had a, he, has, a, he has his Dirk, the guy that is not going to try to insult his coach, the guy that is not going to, the guy that says, okay, this is my coach. I'm going to ride with the coach. And we know Kyle like a coach. 
He just needs the right, just like when he had Jason Kidd. That was, everybody was like, why did he win a championship with Jason Kidd? It's really because of his intellect level. That's why Avery Johnson, he doesn't do well with high intellect players because for lack of a better word, they don't, they don't vibe with him. He does better with guys he could galvanize, guys he could lead in a sense of like being a leader, a natural born leader, not a technical, like I'm not like saying, oh, Avery Johnson, he's not, he's not a technical coach. You could tell he's not a Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a technical coach. You know, he's going to come up with scheme and plays, but you never heard anybody say, oh, Avery Johnson was, was, was just, that was a great play, Avery. Avery Johnson reminds me of Mark Jackson, those kind of guys, they're leaders. Yeah. You know, till today, Steph Curry, like, loves Mark Jackson. You know, they're leaders of men. But, like, when it came to the court, you're like, dude, that person, like, you, you didn't call that. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what are you thinking about? You're not worried about that with Kyle Lowe. You're not worried about that with, like, uh, uh, the guy from Miami. What's his name? Coach Stone. You're not worried about that with the guy from New York. You, I mean, the guy from Toronto, you know? Tibolo is another one of those leader coach. He's not a technical coach. That's why New York is going to fail <laughs> because they need a technical coach. You know, they don't need someone who can lead men and his leadership style don't work no more. I don't know how Tibido, I'm, I'm sorry I jumped into subject, but I'm still baffled as to how he's getting contracts and contracts. He's, that, he's, he's, like the, he's like the Sam Bradford of the, of the NBA for coaches. <laughs> He's rich. I'm about paying for nothing. He doesn't bring nothing. He creates chaos. He went to Timberwolves and did worse for them than they did in how many years. Traded out key assets, left. They still owe him money, and then got another contract with New York. Yeah. Like he just knows. He's he's like a he knows what like he just knows off of stuff he did in Chicago with Derrick Rose. Never a prodigy. And you'll win a bunch of regular season games. These yeah. will come down, but you had one one quick hit on the Knicks and the Mavs, though. Is that and this is kind of this is one of the weirdest things about our season is that back last fall, almost a year ago, in a span of about a week, we played the Knicks twice and lost both of them. And the Knicks, because they're so obsessed with KP, it's so weird. It's almost like hooking up with someone new, like uh, having a new fling, and then their ex is calling you trying to tell you that this girl you're hooking up with sucks you're like who the fuck are you like why do you care what we're doing that's what knicks fans were like with kp being so obsessed with trying to tell us we suck so they beat us twice last fall and they were celebrating like they won the nba finals kp sucks chance in the madison square garden but it actually cost them if you believe that the nba lottery is uh not rigged and that that's a whole other conversation but uh if uh if they had had those two extra losses and the lottery balls fell the same, the Knicks would have a top three pick. And we probably would have had the seven or six seed. And uh, if there's one do-over on both sides between the Mavs and the Knicks, it's not the trade, but it's those two games last fall. Like, uh, they should have they should taken those games. Uh, that was that. Lose. That was lose-lose. Well, the NBA is still going on. Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets. Denver's going to the game seven with the Jazz. I think came in the Spider Spider Man. What's his name? What's that guy's name? Donovan Mitchell. I think there's a hell of a matchup. I think yeah. I can't wait for OKC. If OKC was to beat the Houston Rockets, that would be that'd be an upset. But I don't think that would happen. You yeah. know, I think Utah. Who's going to win that game seven? I don't know. They have. They have. You know, they have Spider-Man, they have Jamal Murray, they have no 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 kitsch, uh, the Joker, you know, they have players. Like it's gonna be an exciting game. I can't tell you, but like 
if I'm taking the better's choice, I'm going to take somebody who I feel like is ready for the big time. And I think this is Jamal Murray's time. He reminds me a lot of Dame. Dame. Yeah. You know, so I think this is his time. I, I think Donovan Mitchell still hates Gobert and wants him gone. Yeah. So, Donovan Mitchell is still in his feelings. I think Gobert gave him eight or something. When he doesn't make the all-star game and then he gives everyone on the team corona and shuts down the season, costs everybody a bunch of money. Um, I would have some bad blood too. Um, <laughs> so, I think that's still going. That Dan Snyder, another great coach in the league, you know, I think he's going to have his team ready to go. You know, but that guy that coaches, uh, what's his name? The Denver Denver Nuggets, he's a, he's a really good coach. They sleep on him a lot, but I think he's a really, really good coach. I can't remember his name right now, but Michael we Malone. have Google. You, Mike Malone, yeah. Right. I was going to say we have Google. Google like that. Boogie loved him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know uh, well, transitioning to a different sport, because 10 days from now, the NFL is back. I don't know if you saw college football was back couple this Friday, this Saturday. NFL. Before before we talk about anything NFL, there's something uh, I think this is in the back of every NFL fan's minds, and it's something that everyone secretly kind of understands, but we don't want to talk about it because it would ruin a lot of fun of the season. But is it even going to be a contest for a while with the Chiefs being so good and so young that uh, I feel like they're just going to destroy everybody? And the rest of the league is kind of a battle for second place. So I really, really I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I do not think so. I think you have to understand how the league works. You know, even the Patriots on the years to the championship, they had close games. Football is such a is like life. Anything could happen in a, on any given day. It's not you're not playing a, a best of seven like the NBA. You're not playing the best of three or best of two. You're not playing the best of on baseball. This is about any given Sunday. So I think I'll be very disappointed because I think the NFL in the last year or so, the players have kind of gotten, no, not last year, but but like the last seven or eight years, the players are pretty much the same level. Now you're looking at organization, you're looking at coaches, you're looking at tactic, you're looking at people using analytics. So the game has expanded beyond just players because now you can go to any school, you have the same strength conditioning program. Now it comes down to, do you have a great coach? You know what I'm saying? That's why coaches are changing often now because people have the players. So I think Andy Reid won with this model this year, but everybody seems to forget. Andy Reid has been running this model since he had Donovan McNabb. Yeah, and it was awesome with them. Exactly, but he's won one championship in all those years. A team that had choking in their blood, and then Donovan McNabb started throwing up in the Super Bowl. Then they got T.O. and he tore the team apart. But those teams that my adolescence – Andy Reid was in my nightmares every night. He was so dominant up till the end of those seasons. But like there was that year Donovan McNabb got hurt and they started who? Coy Detmer. Uh, who's that like third? Uh, that from Houston. That The guy that went to UF, Houston that actually got a big contract off of us. What's his name? He got rich but never played it down. What's that guy's name? Coy uh, Detmer was the first. Um, was the first guy to replace McNabb, and he got injured, and then they put in a third string backup, and I want to say his name was Phoenix. He went to Houston. I know he went to U of H. That's what I can remember about him. But it's kind of funny, though, you know, but I don't think, I don't think Kansas City has, it, has this in the bag. I really don't. 
I think it's going to be more competitive than most people want to admit. And okay. I think it's going to be fun. Cool. I think I, I, I think Cowboys are legit. <laughs> I honestly believe C.D. Lamb, and I honestly believe Dak Prescott is legit. Carson Wentz is the truth. The Eagles are the, the Carson Wentz could carry a team by himself. That's one difference between him and Dak Prescott. Carson wants to carry a team. Dak Prescott cannot carry a team. If he's healthy athlete, because Carson Wentz, um, interesting story happening in Philly last week is this was after their left tackle had a bicep injury and is out for the season. But Carson Wentz left with uh, some sore muscles or whatever. Soft tissue muscles. Jalen Hurts comes in, in, throws a pick. Uh, Jalen Rager, that rookie from TCU, tries to make a tackle injures his wrist on it, and uh, Philly looks snake-bitten again. Uh, I'm loving that. Well, Philly Philly has a good team, so you, we don't want to count them out. We want to make sure that you just kind of know that, like, they will bounce back. They, they're trying to build a program there similar to what you have in – similar similar to what you have in, uh, in, in New England, similar to what you have in, in Kansas City. So I think similar to what you have with the, with the Cowboys too. So I do think that they're going to have staying power. Uh, I think the coaches there are solid, you know. So I just think this season is going to be challenging and different for a lot of reasons. So obviously COVID being one of them, lack of fans and lack of preparation and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to see how, how it plays out. But I'm very excited, you know, 10 days from now, we're going to get the NFL. And, hey, let's go. Let's go. CD Lamb is about to show the world why he, you know what I don't understand till today is why CD dropped to 17. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I think that okay, so there's a few reasons. It's just like the Luca question to me. So first of all, it was one of those deals where there were there were several good there was like six really good receivers, um, or like first round graded receivers in the draft. And a lot of the top teams that needed receivers assumed that because it was so deep that they didn't need to go early with receivers because they could get good players later. All right. And then one of those, there was one team that took a receiver ahead of us. All right. And this two. is Denver took one. There was, there was two, there was Jerry Judy, but the most that, and that one was like, people were expecting, okay, Broncos take Jerry, Jerry Judy over CD Lamb. That's not surprising. What was surprising was the Raiders taking that other Alabama receiver, uh, Henry Ruggs. And I think that this was collusion. Um, and I'm okay with it. I think the Raiders, they're basically a puppet organization of the Cowboys. Um, Jerry Jones and Al Davis were very good friends. Mark Davis is the least rich owner of the NFL. And gets uh, he got a lot of help from Jerry Jones and getting the money for that stadium. It was Jerry Jones' architecture firm that built that stadium. Um, the I mean, Jason, Jason Witten just went over there. There seems to be a lot of like, uh, it's, it's kind of like, with the MLS. Do you think Jason Winner is going to end up being like an executive for the Raiders? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like a coach in training? Is yeah. that what's happening right now? We talk about some cons- – there's Jerry Jones saying, hey, guess what, guys? Las Vegas is a new hub. We're going to have a lot of betting going on there. We're going to have a lot of money. We're going to have a lot of high-end stuff. We need to entrench ourselves here. Jason, yeah. your time is up, guy. I'm sending you on a mission. Yeah. Go to Oakland and make them Las Vegas team. And Jason is like – Thank you, sir. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to go. Maybe Des Bryant will be next. You never know. <laughs> you know, but you're right. You're right. They are close. I, I do I do remember reading an article in ESPN when that, the whole deal went down 
talking about how Jerry was in the mayor's office and told the mayor that, hey, this is going to happen already. <laughs> like before they even voted on it. So Jerry's a magician. No one doubts that. Jerry has bigger problem in his hands with his anti-protest, anti-fluffy, anti-whatever he's trying to masquerade. I think that will backfire on him if he's not careful, yeah, especially in this culture. So I do think he needs to, Jerry needs to understand that he's not going to live forever and he needs to pass down that torch and let the world be what this young people want the world to be. Not what you think it should be because you're already old and right. you, you, Jerry's not going to last another 10, 15 years. That's the truth. That's true. I mean, I hope not. I, it actually scares me that he can live forever. Uh, that- <laughs> it would surprise me too. Yeah. <laughs> it would surprise me. Jerry does not look, wow. Jerry does not look like, for some reason, I feel like Jerry has six packs and like muscles on there under those tailored suit. Yeah, Him and Kraft. Yeah, five years ago, he sounded like he was having dementia. There were sound bites of him going all over the place. And now he's right. magically uh, sounding like a normal person again. It was like this one year long deal where he sounded like he had dementia. Um, and he was talking about Randy Gregory. This is like scrub from the internet, but he was like saying Randy Gregory could get away with stuff at Nebraska that he's not going to be able to get away with at the NFL. And then he called Nebraska Mars University. Um, and he was just saying a bunch of really weird stuff that year. And now he's the drugs, you know, his medications. Yeah. I worry about the advance in medication, the advance in healthcare that will keep Jerry Jones alive for too long. <laughs> yeah. You know what? We shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about people dying or who are passing away. Uh, Jerry is, is giving us the Cowboys and gives us endless entertainment to our life here in America. So Super Bowls. go Jerry. But I just, I just, I just know that maybe he has a Super Bowl curse. Maybe that's the curse is pain. He's the devil, and we were born in the wrong year to enjoy all the fruits of that deal. So I hope that deal expired in 2020, and it's possible it could have. Maybe he was just. What, that's why he was waiting so long to fire Jason Garrett because the devil told him his team was cursed until 2020. When I wonder if I wonder if he's gonna keep Dak. I wonder if Dak is setting up to leave. Dak, he he's he's one of our own. He was a Cowboys fan growing up. He's he's from the Shreveport area. He's from Cowboys country. And I mean, you saw what his brother said. His brother was like, "Fuck, fuck the Cowboys!" When they franchised him and didn't extend him. But I know and. Zach Prescott's heart of hearts. This is his lifelong dream to be a quarterback. This is the market um, besides arguably maybe New York um, where you can make the most money off the fields uh, by being a quarterback here as opposed to elsewhere. And with that position, the difference is pretty significant. It's like NBA level where you play in this market, you get way more than you play in this market. So I hope that works out in our favor. And also with Dak Prescott's contract, um, it could also be sort of a under the table handshake where if like if Dak Prescott he plays on the franchise tag and then gets a new contract, uh, assuming that the salary cap doesn't go down, if he gets a new contract at market rate, he will actually earn a lot more money by playing one year under franchise tag than he would have uh, signing the contract right now. It's just a little bit riskier. Um, if the Jones family said, hey, we want to pay you this much, but we would not be able to uh, take the PR of having this like 
ultra record setting contract for Dak. Like we can give you 30, it's $32 million that he's playing this year. We can give that this year. And then we can give more. That was 37 this year. Installments. I thought it was 37 this year. Uh, something like that. Yeah. 30 something. But it, it, it's, well, it's a lot. It's only going to get more. What, what? What should we what should we delve into next? Yeah, so, you know, um, there's a lot going on. I don't wanna I don't wanna take too long on too many topics. I know people actually have things yeah. to do with their life. Yeah, it was a historic um, historic weekend and with the boycott, and uh, I was really interested in hearing your perspective on that because it matters more than my perspective. Oh, uh, well, I probably would not have the most popular opinion. I do understand the need to protest. I do understand the need to let your voice be heard. Uh, I understand all that. I also understand the the anger and the fact that you feel like you can't do nothing, but you want to do something and this is how you do it. I get that. I understand all that stuff. It's not hard to understand where people are coming from. Even if someone was to get arrested or even if someone wants to do something bad, people have to let this sink in. Imagine just getting stopped by the cops. You have no weapon in your hand. What happened to shooting somebody one time on the leg so they can't walk? Right. Or shooting them? You know, what happened to all that? Like, you would think, okay, let me disarm this person. If I shoot him on the leg, then he's like, you know, maybe at least they could bandage his leg, but I could aim for there. If I shoot him... But what makes you think that shooting him seven times in the back? It's, it's like it's in their it's in their manuals. I, it's in the manuals of the Kenosha, Wisconsin Police Department that I, we have to follow. We have to follow this protocol, or we're gonna die uh, as cops. We, but it's not that he was turning behind you. So if he didn't have no gun, if you shot him once, maybe he had you know was seven times. I'm surprised the dude is alive. Yeah. I really am. Like, I'm like, dude, you must be strong because they tased you twice. They shot you seven times and you're in the back. And you still alive. That's amazing. But, you know, I think in general, what NBA players have to do is, and LeBron James is already doing it. I think he's, he has a great template, is that you have to become more organized. You have to make this. This is not a, a protest today. And then tomorrow I don't do nothing or I protest to like protest not your job that pays you a million make no sense to me. Those those the NBA owners are not the reason that guy got shot seven times. Right. The reason he got shot seven times is the you know, and the reason he's not going the cops are not in jail is the DA. Is the DAs who are making those decisions. You know, if the DA decides to prosecute those people, who's gonna say the DA not, you know? So the, if the DAs are not prosecuting them, then you need to vote and get DAs in there who are going to do this prosecution. Not all cops are bad. I know that. I have a lot of cop friends. You're going to need cops. Everybody knows that. But at the same time, you also have to speak for what is right or wrong, regardless of this is not this is not a race thing to me. This is just a wrong or right thing. It right. just happened to be that. Not that it just happened to be. It is. It is what it is. It just the reality of America is that just more black people get shot more than white people. That's just the reality here. But does they make it any, if more white people were shot by than black people, would that make that good? No. So we should just call it wrong. We shouldn't associate color with it. We right. should just say, this is not the right way to do things. This is not the right way to resolve a situation. Right. As a society, 
there's so many mixed kids, son. Like white dudes are fucking black girls, black girls are fucking white dudes, black dudes are fucking white girls. Excuse my language, but like all them kids nowadays are not nobody's white or black anymore. <laughs> That's just our reality, and we gotta stop associating. We gotta now shift from race-based topics to right or wrong. Is this right? If this was Steven and Steven had a, a sister, yeah, you don't, you have, you have a deadbeat brother that's not cool, that doesn't have a job, that didn't go to school, whatever, that that is always fighting with his girlfriends. If you call the cops on them, should, you, should, should that person be shot seven times? You know what I'm saying? So take away the race. If you read this on a paper, it's not right. And if you told that, and, and to me, I don't feel like anybody in America or every, I don't feel like a segment of America should be protected from the law. That to me is just, there's something weird about that. What are you protecting them for? They're supposed to be upholding the law. So you're protecting them from the law they're supposed to be upholding? That makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? So you should really look into that whole protectionism stuff or like anybody who is doing public service, even more so should be more scrutinized than people who are not doing public service. Because you have all these agencies, all this stuff out here to scrutinize in the private individual, you know? But yet, they don't have the same accountability for people who are in charge of the public people. So I think we just have to really think about our approach to governing and get people in there, not only through education, but also through humane practices and saying, hey, this is right or this is wrong. This has nothing to do with you know, you, you make it what it is. America is a history that has, has a racist history, unfortunately. Is it more racist now than it was back then? No, obviously not. You know, but at this segment of society and our day structures that were created, that were never truly reformed. Yes. One being at the school system, it being at the job. You know, all those jobs, like all those jobs nowadays that come out and say, oh, we're going to hire more black people. Oh, there was not enough black people on the board. Facebook don't have enough black people on the board because most of the black folks don't know how to code. Right. It needs to start with the... Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Like, if I didn't know you, it's not like I'm having the same conversation when we're talking about business and stocks and all that. I wasn't having that conversation with my black friends. I tried to most of the time, but most of the time they didn't know. So, and that's just the reality of it. So if you're hiring somebody, I would like to think that, hey, Stephen will give me a shot because Stephen knows I know that stuff and he knows it because we've interacted together. Right. But if I don't know that stuff and I come out from the street, most likely you're going to hire your friend that you were frat in or you went to school with because I don't think you're a racist person. But if that just happened to be all the people you know, <laughs> that just happened to be all the people you know. And most of the time in life, you're not going to go outside of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to find talent. Me, I believe that talent comes from different cultures and different people, and I try to represent that. That's my belief. But there's a lot of people who are successful, you know, doing things a different way. So I, do I think Black America, we need to fix the laws? Yes. But I don't want it to be a rise in cultural things where everything now becomes about race. You know what I'm saying? Everything now becomes white or Black. Every, oh, you don't have enough Black people. Then what, what, what is enough Black people? Tell me. What's enough Black people? Uh... Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, like the NFL... That kind of, that's weird because it's made up of mostly black folks. So you, they have a system there. They need to fix that system because it kind of looks weird. You know, most of those companies, like if you cater to a black culture or you cater to black, it would make sense to you to have more black people there. But if you don't, then 
is you have a stigma or belief that maybe you, you know you got to figure out yourself. But when it comes to this whole thing, I, I want us to focus on the law. I feel like that's where we need to fix the injustice. And when it comes to businesses, when it comes to companies, I honestly want black folks. If you're a black basketball player, invest in that kid who has that business idea. Give him that $2 million to start him up. Set him up with a lawyer. Help him get seed funding. You know, because that's what those white people are doing for their white friends. So, like, if you're a basketball player, they will tell you. I remember I was in Tulane, and there was one weekend that this guy, I forgot his name, had a, he had a fundraiser to buy a building on Ferret Street. And he raised all that money from his friends, all his frat friends. He was like K.A. He was K.A. So he raised all that money from all his frat friends that weekend from their parents. You know, they did that for him. So like we in the black community also need to take ownership of our, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Most of the people you're dealing with are not even going to know that what they're doing is wrong. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg sat down and was like, yeah, I'm not going to hire any black people. (laughs) I I just don't believe that. I don't think that's who he is as a person or I don't, you know what I'm saying? But I can't blame him that he went to Harvard and everybody he knows. (laughs) I can't blame him for that. Or like where he grew up in the circle it's just like, think about basketball. And you think about basketball, we as black people have minor, monopoly in that sport. Imagine, why don't we have more white people in our team? Why don't we go search out the white guy who could shoot? We don't, do we? You know what I'm saying? So it, it goes both ways in society and as human beings, but what we need to do is make sure the systems are fair. And we have to make sure that we as human beings seek out diversity and change but i also know that's hard for a lot of people and a lot of people don't we by the time you got to take care of your kids you got to pay bills you got to worry about being good or being a good by the time you have to deal about all that and then try to pay attention to what color someone's skin is like life is so complicated i'm not saying we couldn't do it but i just think we shouldn't get into this council culture this culture of everything becoming you know i think we should just stick to the facts you shot a girl she was innocent, you go to jail. <laughs> I want that. You know what I'm saying? You did this. It doesn't matter if you're this or this, you're going to jail. You killed somebody unjustly, go to jail. But I don't want us to be looking at someone's board and saying, oh, they don't have enough black people. They're racist. Great. You know, you know we, we need to, that, 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 you're not going to get the best product in life. So what do you want Facebook to do? They hire black folks and that black folks, sometimes they're not prepared for the position. They haven't been trained like they come. So they, you put them in a disadvantage. Kind of like how the MLB ha- has tried trials of setting up programs in inner cities to try to get the black community more interested in baseball, more interested in playing baseball. I think after hearing what you said, an action step for Facebook would be um, getting to elementary schools and, and setting up like uh, STEM programs for underprivileged communities to try to teach those skills to more than just the kids with rich parents. Exactly. And that's, and I think that's really where it's going to start. If you do more of that, then you will have more. So if I, if I know about stocks, like now the stock is like the rave in the black community, right? Uh-huh. A lot of my black friends were talking about stocks now. Dude, I was talking about stocks back when I was in Philippine college. I was talking about stocks when I was in high school. But I knew because I went to, I grew up in Frisco. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I learned all that stuff. So like, I was just a product of my environment. So we need to focus, like you said, more effort in changing our environment, our upbringing, and making it more diverse. You know, not just Black-centered, but yeah, know about money, know about financial management, know about IT, know about tech, 
we've been talking about I graduated from college and I was talking about stocks with you. So you know what I'm saying? So now everybody's like day trading or they have day trading teams or they have all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, you guys are so behind. Like I've done that. <laughs> like I don't want to do that no more. So it's just, it, and I think that's really what it is because then it's like, you think about it too. You'd be like, oh snap. So, and I, I, I think about it sometimes and I'm like, I also notice a lot of the people who are of color that tend to get out and make it in the business world are the ones that their parents put them in a different situation growing up. And we need to have more of those situations. I need to have, like, Frisco didn't have a lot of black people there. If you weren't playing sports, there weren't kids like me who were black, who just didn't play sports, who just went to school. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were just nerds. There weren't a lot of black kids of that ilk. If you weren't playing sports or rapping, it's like, you really couldn't be a black kid. You were weird as fuck. So like, we need to change that. And I think that starts like that education, STEM programs, just diversity, going to different things, trying different things, but it also starts with family stability and the parents knowing that their kids need those things and being there. So I think, but in terms of law and order and justice, I just think it just needs to be equal. If someone does bad, call a spade a spade. So call an apple an apple. Don't try to don't try to flip it or make it something else. If a law is outdated and it's not serving the community that's supposed to protect, call it that. You know. So I think that's really what needs to happen. Is someone calling you? Yeah, um, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm put away. All right. Um, that 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 was really uh, well said though. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, if you want to end this with some sports quick hits, I've got uh, several items, and um, we don't have to banter on them or anything. It's just some uh, nuggets that I needed to get off my mind about some of the ancillary sports like hockey. We're um, going to call this. Uh, let's call it Steven. Steven Mind Dump. Steven Mind Dump. All right, let's go. Steven rapid Mind Dump. fire. This is how Steven takes his shit, just rapid. Yeah. Right. Starting now, we're going to start with hockey. Uh, the Dallas Stars, absolutely killing it. Um, it may be the year 2020. It may not be the greatest years for parties, but we are three, uh, basically within the final four right now, one game away. Um, we win a couple more series. We could have a party like it's 1999 again, just like when the Stars last won their Stanley Cup. And I have never felt as good about our prospects for winning that since 1999. <laughs> How old were you, Stephen, in 1999? 12 years old? <laughs> in a hockey game at the end, they have the three stars of game. Um, I'm going to give three quick, like three star points of the Stars postseason so far. Um, point number one, one thing I've really loved is the throwback nature of the way they're playing. And when I say that, I mean putting problem players on the other team into the training room and out of the series. In the very first game of our postseason, of the real postseason against the Flames, um, the first shift of the Calgary Flames captain, Matthew Kachuk, who I name Kachump because of this, he took a dive. He faked getting hit, took a dive, got a power play. The Flames scored on that. They ended up winning because of that goal. Um, and it really, it really pissed everybody off. And the Stars, the very next game, they got to business to resolving it. Um, the very first shift of the game for our captain, Jamie Benn, lined up across from Kachuk on a faceoff, speared him in the leg, 
took him out of the series. He didn't play again the rest of the series. That's an alternate captain for Calgary that was out. They severely missed him. We overpowered them. We won 4-2 in the series onto the next round. Game one and round two, there's another alternate captain, a defenseman for Colorado. His name's Eric Johnson. Now, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but this was a series where Colorado was so good, we couldn't wait for them to do something wrong to get pissed and take them out. Um, one of our players uh, took Eric Johnson to the training room within 10 minutes of the game. He has not returned in the series. We are up 3-1. Uh, the next opponent uh, will probably be the Vegas Golden Knights. They have one alternate captain. His name's Mark Stone. Uh, he's got a target on his back. He better be on watch. His postseason is probably ending next week. Looking forward to that. Um, star point number two. These next two will be really quick. Uh, we have a defenseman. His name's uh, Miro Haskinen. He, it, it's not quite fair to say he's the Luca of the NHL because there's there's no other Luca. But if Luca didn't exist, Miro Haskinen would be the Donovan Mitchell of the NFL. He's really, really good. NHL, NHL, NHL. Have the best, the two best young players in both basketball and hockey. That's awesome for us. And star point number three. Uh, we got two players over the offseason, Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski. They're really old, used to be really good in their primes for rival teams. Uh, they are ages 36 and 35, respectively. And this postseason, they're like playing as good as they were in their primes. They're killing it. And it's awesome. And there's a ton of other awesome things I want to say about the Stars, but I know uh, nobody cares about other people's hockey teams. So uh, we'll just move on. Um, the Texas Rangers, um, I know nobody really cares about them that much, but a couple weeks ago, we were in the news. Um, you remember that Fernando Tatis hitting a grand slam with a uh, 3-0 count, running up the score, and it causing like a brawl, all that? You remember that, Michael? No, I don't. Um, well, we were... <laughs> Um, we were like in the national news for baseball of like unwritten rules category and everyone hated the Rangers for a bit. And so uh, for those Rangers haters, I can say that you should be happy that we went into that game 10 and 10 and in playoff position. Um, Fernando Tatis hit that grand slam and the very next three consecutive games, San Diego hit grand slams against us, called themselves slam Diego. And uh, since then we've gone Two and eleven. We're now twelve and twenty-one. One of the worst teams in the league, and we couldn't even trade our best players today at the trade deadline. And so everyone can make fun of the Rangers. Um, so there's not much to watch for Texas Rangers, but in baseball, I have two other loves that I'm following. One is an old love, you Darvish, our best ever pitcher. His preseason Cy Young odds were twenty-five to one. He's been he's been a beast. He is probably gonna win it and bro if he wins that Cy Young uh let me just put it this way drinks are on me for a while <laughs> he, had, he had one bad game in his very first start but since then there's been, he's been he, I, I watched I watched one game he's been he's been dealing I got some stats for you in those in these past six starts he's pitched 39 total innings they've all been of either six innings or seven innings he's had a point nine two three ERA. Um, he's had a 13.5 strikeouts per nine inning, and he's given up eight total walks and 39 innings. He's striking everybody out and nobody's scoring. He's going to win the Cy Young, and we are going to ball out because of it. 
Um, and then the last thing with baseball. Um, so you Darvish, he's my old love. I also have a new love. It's the Miami Marlins. And there's a name that you should keep your eyes and ears out on the watch and listen for. His name is Six, Sixto Sanchez. Have you heard I've of seen him? Yeah. Him? He is a fuck. He is the real deal. He is fucking awesome. Um, his, he had his second start, and this was his first full start on Friday against the Rays, who, by the way, are uh, four games ahead of the Yankees for first place in the AL East. They're really good. He went seven innings. Got 10 strikeouts. Those 10 strikeouts came in the first uh, five innings. In those seven innings, he did not give up one fly ball. Zero fly balls over seven innings of work for this guy in, in his first full start against a really good team. Awesome. I really love him. His stuff is amazing. He has a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, which I refer to as fireballs because if you throw 100 miles per hour more, it's not a fastball. It's a fireball in my book. So he's got that fastball, but he's also got this strikeout pitch, the, the pitch that he <laughs> most strikeouts. It's a changeup. It goes 92 miles per hour. And then once it gets to the plate, it, it drops. That's and why he don't that's why he don't have a lot of fly balls. Swing and miss, swing and miss. He's so awesome. I'm falling in love with this dude. He's got the awesome name, Sixto Sanchez, four syllables, four S's. I'm a big fan of alliteration. And very good job on his parents for getting him a name like that, that you just can't go around in life without having a bunch of swagger. Um, get right. alliterative of a name. Keep your eyes out for this guy. He's going to make some noise. I got you. Um, I got you. One more uh, quick hit related to Miami. Um, have you heard of Enter Miami? No. No? Okay, so they're a brand new sports team, but – um, you will have heard of them by the time you're, uh, by the time our lives over, et cetera, because by the time that point comes, this team will be the most famous team in the world because they're a soccer team. They're an MLS team. They are found. Oh, that's the one David Beckham was trying to start. David Beckham. And because of his connections, well, first of all, Europeans, they all want to move to Miami. They all love Miami, but then there's the David Beckham connection and he just signed a player that he was teammates with in 2013 in Paris. They're boys. This guy's name is, he's from France. His name is Blaise Matuidi. And he was a starter for France in the World Cup a couple of years ago. And he's a, he was a starter for an Italian team in Turin that has won the past nine Italian uh, Serie A. Davis championship. Yeah, he's a starter for these awesome teams. And he's coming over to Miami and he took like a really, really low salary to help us out with these complicated MLS rules. He's basically playing for free to live in Miami and be with his boy, David Beckham, again. And there's more coming. We've got a contract offer out to a guy in Barcelona on um, this team. They got their very first franchise win last weekend. Uh, watch out for them. You said you were a stock guy earlier. That means you're a big buy low, sell high guy. Buy low. With some emotional investment and enter Miami, they're gonna be really cool. Ah, I love that. I love how we ended that. I love how we wrapped it back to the stocks. Well, guys, it's been fun hanging out with you guys on this Monday. You know, stay cool. Steve, stay sunny out there. Dude, it's I'm out here in Texas. This shit is just whack. It's hot, it's dry. I need a beach in my life. But you know what? So then preseason usually, but you know. Uh, Smoke some, drink some.
Uh, just just live life, son. It's just 2020. If we make it past 2020, we're just going like we're going to rage all 21 because you know 2020 is the is what I call the 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 year of 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 Darwin. You know, it's natural selection. <laughs> so if you survive the year of Darwin, then I, I I think I think you you should give yourself a pat on the back. But till next time, guys, we're not gonna be gone too long. We try to try to hit you back up next week with some interesting tidbits close to the football season, close to the college football starting. You know, it's COVID, so it's not gonna feel normal. Who knows what's gonna be a champion or not? But hope to see you back next week, son. Steven, right. it's been fun. I gotta go to the store. I'm hungry. I think I'm gonna go to Chick Fil A and go to Walmart. But I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. Right.